Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the second day of April. I'm Paul White. Thank you for joining me. Uh, let me clarify something again today. Seems like I do. I've been doing this a lot lately, where I'll say something, or I'll go back, and when I'm editing it, I'll go, "Oh, I didn't say that quite right." Having a daily podcast gives me a chance to clean stuff up. I got something switched on you yesterday. A few days ago, I told you that Luke's version of the Jesus rejected at Nazareth is the one where it is not followed by the beheading of Jesus or beheading of John the Baptist. That's wrong. It's the Mark's, uh, Luke's version is not followed by that. Mark's version is, and I think I said that backwards yesterday. So just in case you were reading ahead in Mark 6 and went, hey, wait a minute. I didn't think Mark told us the story of John the Baptist being beheaded. Uh, That's because I had two things going on in my head at the same time. So I hope you'll forgive me for that uh, bit of misdirection. But we are, and, and I should have known better than to say it that way because we actually introduced this story yesterday of John the Baptist having been beheaded at the hands of Herod. And we talked about Herod thinking that Jesus might be John the Baptist Uh, Had we read on, I wouldn't have, uh, I I think I might have caught the mistake before we finished. So let's read on today because Mark's actually going to work backwards. He's, He's working backwards in that he introduces Herod into the story as wondering if Jesus is the John he has just killed. Yesterday we used that as an illustration of the possible ways in which the Hebrew people interpret resurrection because if Herod would have just went to the tomb wherever John the Baptist is buried, he could have checked to see if the body's there, but that might be missing the point as to what they thought resurrection looked like. In any event, verse 15, others said, and they're talking about Jesus, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. That's an interesting moment right there in the middle of 15. It is the prophet or like one of the prophets. Who's the prophet? Well, we don't know that the is correct there because some of our earliest translations have a prophet. It's possible, and the New King James actually capitalizes the the P on the word prophet here because it is possible that they're referencing the prophet that's supposed to come as prophesied by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy that there would be a prophet arise. And so if that's the case, they're right. Jesus is the prophet. It's one of the reasons we call Jesus prophet, priest, and king, that he has at least three titles and one of them as prophet. We don't think of him all the time as a prophet, but he most certainly fits the bill. But when Herod heard, he said, this is John, whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Now watch Mark work backwards, giving you information that has already occurred. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore, Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did 
many things and hurt him gladly. I want to stop there because most everybody is, is familiar with the story, but I want to give you just a, another take on it that, that is worth thinking about. And, and, and honestly, as far as I'm concerned, that's what the DDP is all about, is trying to take angles at these verses, not to be a contrarian, certainly not to ignore orthodoxy, but to wrestle out things and say, what if there's something here that I missed? And a few years ago, I felt like the Lord showed me something in this passage. And I say I felt like because it's not something I've heard elsewhere. And I have to be very careful with that stuff because, um, you know, we have 2,000 years of Christian history to build on. And so if this might exist elsewhere, but I just haven't come across it. So I'll just throw it out there as something I want you to think about, okay? And, and just don't, don't take it as some form of a way to build your theology, but Jesus is so different than anything the world had ever seen to the point that the disciples wonder, when is it he's going to actually get around to showing us the Father? Because they just couldn't fathom that what they were seeing in Jesus is what they would see if they could see God. And of course, Jesus is. And the reason that is so shocking to them is because they have preconceived ideas of God. Well, I think in, for the most part, we have preconceived ideas of Jesus because we've all been introduced to Jesus, but frankly, we've been introduced to different versions of Jesus. That's obvious when you hear people talk about Jesus and you go, wow, where'd they get that? Or, or I'm not even sure that's real. So I, I think we know that, but that was pretty stark in Jesus' day that he was different. And one of the stark differences was between John the Baptist and Jesus. And we often think of these two guys as kind of one and the same because they're both preaching the same message. We kind of think they're the same personality. I don't think anything could be further from the truth. I don't think Jesus and John the Baptist had a lot in common other than the preaching of the kingdom. I do believe that John the Baptist represents, as Jesus said, the greatest prophet that had ever lived, but Jesus said the least in the kingdom will be better than John. So that tells me that John is an example of, uh, for the lack of a better term, as good as it gets under the mosaic. And Jesus, who is living in the Mosaic economy, does not in any way seem defined by the religious standards of what it means to be good in the Mosaic economy. And this is what I felt like the Lord showed me. That was a lot of preface to say this. John the Baptist and Jesus were both confronted with adultery. John the Baptist went looking for it in Herod, pointed it out, and called judgment on him. Jesus has adultery brought to his footstep, his, his doorstep, essentially. He doesn't call it out. He doesn't heap condemnation. And he doesn't give tacit approval to the Mosaic Law's injunction to stone the woman to death. Maybe this moment shows us the biggest difference between the peak of the law and the peak of grace. That under the peak of the law, 
John the Baptist would call out adultery. And under the peak of grace, Jesus would give the gift of condemnation in adultery. Not condoning adultery by any stretch, but maybe showing us that we've entered the kingdom and that if you're going to have a ministry that goes on a sin hunt, that needs to be removed in order for Jesus to flourish. And maybe John the Baptist has his head cut off as a sign that that type of ministry has to die so that the ministry of Christ, John says, I must decrease, he must increase, so that maybe who Jesus is can increase and what John represents can finally begin to decrease. Because if you'll recall, John said he was supposed to decrease, but he isn't decreasing. And maybe if he's not going to decrease, he needs to be removed. Now, again, just think about that stuff. And we're going to pick up this story at this point tomorrow. We'll see you then. God bless.